Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Welcome into the Ball Blast podcast, everybody. I am your host, Kate. We're just skipping. Hey, yo. Oh, my gosh. I forgot. Oh, it's my morning. Goodness. Do you want to hear? We're we're up early recording this. I don't think you want to hear my morning. Oh, do it right now. Ew. Okay. Not that dramatic. Do it. Ew. Do it. <laughs> Ew. All right. There All right. Go. You made me do it. Like, we can't just do it for every ep- what episode know, are we on? Like a hundred something? You we've done it for every episode, and I think then we're on episode sixty. So, oh really? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, overachiever here. <laughs> anyway, everybody, welcome into the Ball Blast podcast. A proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Network, um, best group of podcasts around. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about the draft. Some things went exactly how we wanted. Some things did not. First round was chalk. Just straight up chalk. I feel like a lot of the picks in the first round, it went exactly the way I was planning for. Michelle literally projected every single pick about three seconds before it came in, and she was... Not everyone, but like half of them, like 50%, Oh, no, I would say... I would say up until the final five picks, your rate was like 90%, which is too She's high. being generous. But no. for the first 15 picks, I was like super spot on, and then it got harder. Once uh, once a team went with, what was it, Justin Jefferson over, I don't know, that just kind of messed me up. But That's okay. Everybody, you can follow me, Kate, on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And Michelle, me, at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. Sorry, what's your name? Michelle. Ah. There it is. (laughs) You can follow all our new social media. So we have we have decided as a as a brand to bolster our social media presence. So you can follow us on Instagram at ballblastfb. Follow us on Twitter at ballblastfb. Changed up the handles there. (laughs) Bet you didn't expect that. Uh, Yeah. So so we're trying to we're trying to vamp out. Guess what? What? We got a new website. Woo! Yes. Your excitement in the morning is coming off not as excited. Oh. <laughs> it's like, guess guess what? Guess what, guys? You're like a little nerd over there. Guess what, guys? It might be because I'm grumpy in the morning. Oh, yeah. I, like, does, <laughs> does my, my excitement come off as, like, disingenuous? No. I mean, a little. Ball Blast Football. Dot com. It's yes. actually a super sexy website. Kate did an awesome job creating it. We did have DK Metcalf on the front of the page. We mm. switched it to Russell Wilson. I don't know. What was your like, thought better, process about that? I had a better quality image of Russell. Russell. Well, they're both awesome. So go check it out. We put a couple articles up there last week. And uh, best fits, I guess. Some of them did not happen for the draft. Some may have. We will be uploading some more this week. Yeah, I can't wait. We don't really have that much news to talk about because it's all sort of draft news. Yeah, there's just two little bits of 
news, I guess, if it's even news, <laughs> really. So uh, one of them is that Jameis Winston plans to sign with the Saints. It has not happened yet. It was announced like a couple days ago, too, that that was the plan for Winston to sign with the Saints. Hasn't happened, but it's supposed to. The weirder part for me of that whole situation is that that news came right before they announced the like formal signing for Taysom Hill. Yeah, so they, a pretty good signing like yeah, for Taysom Hill, not so much for the for, Saints. For yeah, no, I, I was very surprised. I think he's uh, it's a six two year sixteen million dollar deal, which like I know we're talking about like quarterback money, so that's not a lot in terms of quarterback money. But if you're looking at him in, in terms of like a a gadget player with limited field presence, as you did last year, that's a hefty amount of money and then if you reinvest some more in Jameis Winston it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me yeah they have to be planning to use uh Hill a little bit more in their game plan which I think he did fantastic whenever he came into the game last year he definitely I don't think should be a starting quarterback ever but if they want to use him as a gadget player while Breeze is still there let Winston back up Breeze he he shouldn't really see any playing time unless Breeze gets hurt But it's really nice for the Saints because they're in this window right now to win. And you don't necessarily lose everything if Breeze gets hurt. Like, I I do think Sean Payton can coach Jameis Winston up. I I think the team around him will make him better. He should learn a lot. And it's only a one-year contract if he does end up signing there. And then we'll probably see Winston go elsewhere if he gets his shot like Teddy Bridgewater did this year in this offense. Yeah, I I think that... A year with Drew Brees could do him some good. Mm-hmm. He's a good Christian well, man. Yeah, Drew Brees never throws interceptions, and Winston, that's all he does. So hopefully Brees can teach him some things. Like, hey, dude, you don't have to throw it 30 yards every time you throw a ball. <laughs> like, if you, see, you if you see three defenders around that wide receiver, look for another one, because that means someone's open. I know you, you were blind. but Kamara there? <laughs> I knew you were blind before, and now you can see. What if that's all it was? Dude just needs another shot. Then maybe the Saints will give it to him. I still don't understand playing a football game without being able to see. Like, we both are blind. Or I'm even more well, blind than you. Well, my confusion is more so, like, were you not wearing contacts? I guess I, not. I don't I don't know. He couldn't see the scoreboard. Or, like, wear goggles. <laughs> like, a, I don't know. I feel like that's such a huge part of... I can't even go on my computer without wearing my contacts or glasses. I can't imagine going to try to play a football game and throwing to the correct people. I would 100% throw interceptions. God, imagine like on, on days where the teams wore similar uniforms. Forget I don't know. Forget about it. Forget about it. I know everyone makes fun of it. Like that's obviously not going to fix them. But if you're blind, like like a lot of us are. you cannot see. If like, you know his feeling, like you can't get out of bed and know where anything is without your contacts or glasses. So I'm going to wait and see there. Yeah. see if it fixes anything. I do think it's very... And he had what I... Uh, I don't remember. He had a knee injury, too. Um, so today, for our rookie mayhem, we're going to talk about some running backs. Because that's... We clearly love the running back position the most. Like, we always want to talk about running backs. So let's talk about these running backs that were drafted over this weekend. Which of these running backs went to landing spots that will hurt their lead back? Who went into a situation that's going to be a running back by committee? Who aren't we touching? Who do we want everywhere? Uh, You want to get started? Let's dig in. All right. Awesome. Yes. I am back. I love him and love him. I don't care who knows it. 
All right, whose landing spots do we love? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. And I'm going to skip over you, Michelle. Yeah, go first. Everybody knows what your favorite landing spot is. <laughs> it's true. Just go first. Literally everybody knows it. So the guy that I am not letting walk away in any of my rookie drafts is a young Keyshawn Vaughn. You really, really like this landing spot. And I really, really liked Keyshawn Vaughn. The landing spot is just a super convenient upside. Keyshawn Vaughn, like... I feel like Keyshawn Vaughn's the guy nobody's talking about, despite the fact that everybody is on to Cam Akers' butt. Like, yeah. you know, did you know Cam Akers had a bad offensive line? I did. So did Keyshawn Vaughn. Yep. And I'm so sick of hearing about Cam Akers when Keyshawn Vaughn has landed in the absolute perfect landing spot, and nobody's talking about it. Yeah, he was more productive in college, not by much than Akers, but he was more productive, and his line was one better. Ranked one better one than better. Akers. So he was behind a very bad offensive line as well. We really liked his talent. We did. Yeah. When I when I looked back at my notes on him, I I was impressed. Um, better than Cam Akers is what I wrote. <laughs> Improved balance, better vision, had a bad offensive line. <laughs> He's definitely somebody that is like a versatile guy. He had a decent combine, ran a four or five. So He's got speed, but it, it translates to the to the field pretty well, I think. Um, you've got a guy who can catch balls out of the backfield. Um, he did have four years in college, but he was overall pretty productive in terms of both rushing and pass catching. Mm-hmm. Um, just ranked behind CEH, Jonathan Taylor, who I feel like nobody thinks of as like a, a receiving back, but he just had such high volumes everywhere. Um, and DeAndre Swift, in terms of market share of targets for his team, he had the, like, fourth highest, right, mm-hmm. among all these stud running backs. And I feel like nobody talks about that upside. So you, you take that pass-catching ability and then you put it onto Tampa Bay, where they are freaking obsessed with throwing the ball. And Tom Brady, who is freaking obsessed with throwing the ball to the running back? Why does nobody think this? Like, I, I think you're... Downplaying how I mean I'm seeing a lot of rankings with Vaughn top four. I've seen some with top one. Brad Evans has him as his number one running back. He's going very early in rookie drafts. I haven't seen him drop out of the first round yet. So I think people are super high on him. That's why I probably won't own him anywhere. This is your dude. Like you're you've got him in all of our rookie drafts. This is the guy you're targeting. I think he's going too early for me. I think people are over evaluating that landing spot. He does still have competition. Like, Ronald Jones isn't just going bye-bye. And you're the Ronald Jones girl more than me. The, okay, do not put that on me. <laughs> I mean, I definitely was not a Ronald Jones no, supporter. No, but I, I was saying, like, the, the dude had potential to uh, take over lead carries. But guess what? Ronald Jones wasn't Bruce Arians' guy. He was previous regime. Like, that was, like, 75 years ago mm-hmm. that Ronald Jones was drafted. He had two years. 75 try- years ago. Two years Feels ago. Feels like it. Um, he, he had two years to try and make this work. And guess what? Last year, they gave Peyton Barber yeah. more goal line carries. Isn't that re- like Peyton Barber? And it wasn't even very close either. Like what I'm seeing Peyton in our notes. Peyton Barber had 10 goal line carries. Ronald Jones had four. Yeah, that's a pretty big difference. How big is Ronald Jones? I'm going to search that right now. Because, yeah, only 207 pounds. Yeah, clearly, they didn't trust him around the goal line. 
You know, Jameis Winston had five goal line carries himself, and you might think those will be going to the running back, but you know who led the league in goal line carries for a quarterback last year? Who? Tom Brady. Tom Brady had the most... (laughs) I mean, they're probably those one-inch uh, quarterback sneaks. Yeah. But the, he still stole seven carries at the goal line last year in New England. Probably a lot of that had to do with, like, Sony Michelle just being a real bad running back and nope. them not trusting him and James White not being that bruiser at the goal line. I, I think that people, I, the general public, is just underestimating what the, the upside of him could be. Um because of his ability as a pass catcher, he does have relatively small hands. Yeah, I don't, who cares? I, that correlates pretty well to success as a pass catcher. But um, he did like he showed ability as a pass catcher in college, so I'm less worried. But he got the little mitts. No, I do think he'll be used a lot. I think this is a great landing spot for any running back to go into. We were talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ending here. We were loving that fit. I think we're both very excited he ended up in Kansas City. Today, we're not talking about Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire very much. We'll bring him up in a little bit here shortly, just quickly. But like those are our two favorite running backs. If we can land them on our squad and rookie drafts, those are the guys we're grabbing. But today we wanted to d- discuss some other running backs that we're looking to grab. Well, I'm going to move on to my rookie that I'll be drafting in every rookie draft. He's a lot cheaper than yours. Zach Moss is still going pretty late in rookie drafts. Not for long. I did see him go at the 201 um, in one of the drafts that wasn't me. That's the earliest I've seen him go that was you know, someone that wasn't me drafting him. But I've seen him go as late as a, a late second-round pick um, in other people's drafts. So this is a guy I'm going to be trying to get in all my drafts if I need a running back. If not, then I do like some of the wide receivers in the same area as well. And again, we'll be talking about that next week. But Zach Moss, running back, got drafted by the Buffalo Bills in the third round. Now, this one hurt me because Devin Singletary, you all know, is one of my loves. And I was thinking... <laughs> I was really hoping the Bills waited until the fourth round to take a running back. I was hoping they took a compliment to Singletary and not the exact same player. I was hoping they would take a, a pass catching back, right? Like just a, a guy that came in, change of pace, that could catch the ball really well. Like a scat back. Yeah, and that you know wasn't dominant on the ground. Um, what they did was take Devin Singletary, 20 pounds heavier, and a better receiver. Like It, 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 it kind of destroys Singletary a little bit. I do think it's going to be a running back by committee, especially for a long time in 2020. We'll see what happens the year after. But Boss, Moss and Singletary are like identical prospects coming out. They're both on the slower side. Moss ran a 4.65. Well, you know, he had a hurt hammy. We don't know what that means. Devin Singletary ran a 4.66. Uh, they're both have insanely similar styles, running styles particularly. They are very hard to tackle. They create a lot of missed tackles by just bulldozing you. Um, They're slippery. They have great vision. And they're not shying away from contact. So in college, they both came out as a prospect that had an insane amount of missed tackles per attempt, nearly identical 0.38 for Moss, 0.36 per attempt for Singletary. And then yards after contact per attempt for Moss, 4.5, top of his class. Singletary, 3.9, one of the top of his class. The only difference, like I said, is Moss is 20 pounds heavier. So Moss is 223 pounds at 5'9", while Singletary is only 203 at 5'7". And I think that's the issue that everyone was trying to tell me before the draft is they're probably going to draft a guy that's bigger because it's, it's hard to be a workhorse back when you're that small unless your name is Christian McCaffrey. 
So I do think immediately Zach Moss gets the goal line carries just because of the size. Last year, we did not see Devin Singletary get the goal line carries. He only had two. And Frank Gore had 11, which 11 carries inside the five-yard line might not sound a lot like a lot, but it was the 13th most in the NFL for any running back. So now I think those 11 carries or somewhere around there go to Zach Moss. Frank Gore only got in the end zone twice on those 11 carries. Because man Frank. He was not a good running back last year. Hopefully a, a younger, better player can get in the end zone more. We'll see what happens there. A lot of people say Josh Allen steals all the goal line carries. He only had five last year. That's the same as Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton. Wow. So I think people think he takes goal line carries a little bit more than he does. Another area that Zach Moss is better at than Singletary, this hurts to kind of hurt. This hurts to talk bad about Devin Singletary. <laughs> it's just like I, I love Bo so much. It's just Zach Moss is the better all-around prospect. He's a much better receiver and more efficient after the catch. Singletary came out of college as a pretty rough receiver out of the backfield. He uh, you know, he only averaged .18 yards per route run in college. He only had six receptions his last year in college, only averaging six yards per catch. When we look at Moss this year, he averaged... 2.36 yards per route run compared to that Ooh. 0.18. He uh, averaged 14.5 yards after the catch per reception and broke 33 tackles on his 66 college receptions. He's a very efficient receiver. He has good hands. He can be used in that game. And then we saw Devin Singletary struggle in that area in his rookie season. So, like, we already have that information. He had five drops on 39 targets in his rookie season in the NFL. 14.7% drop rate. That's the second highest for any running back in the NFL. That's not great. Yeah. His reception percentage was 74.4. That might sound good. It's terrible for a running back. That's the fourth lowest. Yards per route run, 0.72. Third lowest for any running back. Only 6.7 yards per reception. Tenth lowest for any running back. He was not efficient, and that's what I've been saying all offseason, actually, about Singletary is he's not very good in the receiving game. So they needed to get a, a get a, a back that was better. They just happened to take a back that can be just as good on the ground and better through the air. So I'm going with Zach Moss in all my drafts. I know. And I'm crying over my Devin Singletary shares. <laughs> but I do think it's a running back by committee. So I think both can be good. I'm just scared that oh, Zach Moss. if I'm Moss... in a best ball league, I want... I'll draft both of them on my team. Yeah, I'm just scared that Zach Moss will end up taking over at some point. And uh, Devin Singletary is never going to completely lose his job. They want him there. But the GM of the Bills immediately said, like, we knew going in running back was our biggest need, and we knew we needed to take one early. Rude. Yeah, it is rude. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. We'll recover. Um, Before we get into our our next topic – which is going to be what situations we want to avoid, what particular running backs we don't feel comfortable with in our rookie drafts. Um, Let's talk about MyFrontPageStory.com. Mother's Day, it is literally right around the corner. What are you doing? What do you get for the perfect mom that has been there your whole life, that packed you after-school snackies, who was just so thoughtful, got got your favorite uh, peanut butter crackers and, and... sliced up oranges for you and your friends as you uh, left the soccer field. Mom's the best, and she deserves a unique gift, which is very hard to find in today's society. So myfrontpagestory.com, you literally, 
uh, get your parent a personally written front page of the newspaper. So cool. You get interviewed by a professional journalist who literally will like take down quotes. It's like you're actually being interviewed for a paper. And they will turn that into something very sentimental and special for whoever you love. And guess what? We got you a promo code. Take 20% off your purchase at myfrontpagestory.com with code BLAST20. Again, that's 20% off anything on my front page story. Get get moving on this so you can have your interview. Give them some juicy quotes to put in about how much you love your mama or whoever this special person is. In your Grandma, life. wife. Grandma, wife, literally anybody. Literally is your favorite word. Literally. Uh, go check it out, myfrontpagestory.com, promo code BLAST20. All right, we've spent enough time being positive. I yeah. want to talk negative. Yeah, we love talking negative. Yeah, let's talk some trash. <laughs> um, so who are you, out of this group of rookies, just going to straight up avoid in your rookie drafts for 2020? So no matter how far this guy falls, I'm not going to feel good about taking him. And it's Antonio Gibson, the running back, uh, that just got drafted by the Washington Redskins. Early third round pick. Like, I'm surprised by how early he went. I'm not denying his potential talent. Like, he has talent. There is a massive ceiling there. His floor is so low. We don't even know what he is. Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? Uh, the Redskins actually came out to confirm that he is a running back. Yeah, I did see that. And it almost would make me feel better if they just said, you know, we're going to use him as a weapon, an offensive weapon. Because if they're going to try to use him as just a straight up running back, he had 33 total rushing carries in college. Like not just his senior year or his last year in college, 33 total collegiate carries. That's it. Yeah. And yes, he had an insane amount of production on those 33 carries. He averaged 11.2 yards per carry. So everyone's pumped because like, oh my God, every time he touches the ball, he goes crazy. What's even more concerning is that 17 of those 33 carries came in two games. Two games against the same exact team, Cincinnati. So clearly this team just didn't know how to stop him. This defense just didn't know how to stop Antonio Gibson. 17 of those 33 carries, and then after that and before that, the rest of the year, he did not have more than three carries in any game. Well, and I think definitely when you look at a team that sort of changed up the the offensive role of a player too, like – it's sort of like when you have the backup quarterback come in and people aren't prepared for that particular quarterback. So maybe you key in special defenses for one specific guy, and then the new guy comes in and you're not – they catch yeah. you on your toes. No one was preparing for Antonio Gibson to get 11 carries in one game when he had three carries at the most before that. So Cincinnati wasn't coming into that game like, we have to stop Antonio Gibson as a running back. Like, he was a wide receiver and not a very productive wide receiver either. Like, he didn't excel as a wide receiver, and we didn't get to see him as a running back very much. So there's just nothing to go off of. It's too small of a sample size to really know anything. And then if he is going to be a running back in that backfield, he has a lot of competition. I mean, maybe it's not like the strongest of competition or the – most trustworthy guys to stay healthy, but they have Darius Geis, who's very talented if he could just stay healthy. It's probably not ever going to happen, but we can't just discount him altogether. Bryce Love, who they selected in the fourth round last year, it was always like in everyone's mind that he was going to be a redshirt. 
his first year in the NFL, he tore his ACL on his last carry in college. That's why he fell to the fourth round. They and knew even that. thinking like investing that fourth round pick in a guy that you know is going to redshirt. Yeah, you know he's not going to play the whole first year. He needed surgery again in the offseason, last offseason. So he's going to be ready too. They re-signed AP, which is wild to me. <laughs> I thought he was going to go. And then they signed Peyton Bar- Barber and J.D. McKissick, who you might not think are very good because they're not. But that's still a very crowded backfield for a rookie running back with 33 total career carries to just come in and get a big workload or even be successful does he know how to read defenses can he like does he have the vision to be a running back does he have the body to keep up with like the the load we've been he does have a pretty big body like he's a big boy he's very fast he's very athletic but you don't know necessarily how his body will hold up like just because you're a big boy doesn't always necessarily mean you're durable as a running back so I, I think you have to look at the fact that, like, we haven't seen him provide us a consistent workload to see how he holds up with that kind of... Yeah. I haven't seen him go out of the second round of rookie drafts yet. If he fell to the third, then maybe. I mean, in the third round, you're taking just hopeful players anyways, just, like, kind of lottery tickets there. So at that point, maybe I'd take a risk on Gibson. But I'm okay missing out on him. If I miss on him, I miss on him. If Gibson hits, he's 100% an outlier. And that's not a type of player I want to take a chance on. Yeah. Um, my guy is actually not – he's somebody that I very much like coming into the draft. I don't like the situation he was drafted in. Um, A.J. Dillon. So mm-hmm. – he had very much been comped to a Derrick Henry type. You know I love Derrick Henry. You do. Um, and you know that I don't necessarily care about his his limited usage as a pass catcher, but A.J. Dillon is now drafted into this offense that you've got a team that's willing to run the ball. That's fantastic. But this year, at least, you're probably looking at some very wishy-washy production. You've got Aaron Jones still there who's going to snipe some touchdowns. Even if A.J. Dillon becomes your goal line guy, Aaron Jones is the type of dude that can break off a run. And Yeah, it seems like every time Aaron Jones was scoring, he was scoring from, like, way outside, like, the red zone area. Like, he just was able to break off runs all the time. Yeah, and I, I do think that even if he becomes the first, second down back, he's still sharing those first and second down carries with Aaron Jones, at least for this year. And Jamal Williams is the change of pace guy. I don't think that LaFleur has any, like, reservations about continuing to use him in that way we've seen him very favored by the coaching staff like way too favored I just think that there's not enough room in this offense for what I hope for in terms of a rookie he wasn't like super productive in the passing game in college um when I went back to my evaluation of him you know some of my notes said that You know, I didn't think he looked as athletic as maybe his numbers suggested from the combine. He had a nice combine, but he ran through a lot of holes. And you do wonder, you know, sort of how that will translate to the NFL. And we just have to remember, so a lot of people are comparing him to Derrick Henry. A, he's not as good. So that's an issue right there. And it took Derrick Henry a very long time to actually be used in the NFL. It's hard to fit him into an offense. He needed the perfect offense with a team that was going to uh, surround him. Like, he was a center point of the offense, right? And I don't think A.J. Dillon's going to be a center point of any offense, especially with Aaron Rodgers there, maybe if they move on to Jordan Love, who they... Which isn't happening this year. It's no. probably not going to happen next year. But 
Yeah, AJ Dillon's a tough one. If he's, he's a guy that I like his talent and raw ability, but the fact that he's in this sort of situation, I just don't see an easy pathway for him. And I think that people will easily get enamored with the fact that, like, oh, LaFleur wants to run the ball. And like a Derrick Henry, you're going to need 20 plus carries t- for him to be fantasy relevant. Yep. Like, fantasy good relevant and i don't see that happening for aj dillon uh lafleur did say he wanted it to be a three-man backfield and that's what's going to happen yeah i don't like it for anyone if i'm gonna take a chance on any of those guys in the backfield it's aaron jones because he's involved in the passing game but as soon as Devontae adams came back aaron jones wasn't as involved he just had a ton of targets when adams was out i'm probably going to stay away from this backfield altogether oh and even even aaron jones his splits with and without Jamal Williams. Like, not mm-hmm. good. It, yeah. It's definitely something that I, I think all of their value together there in the offense ruins each other. For sure. And speaking of ruined value, we have a lot of people who have some ruined value. Maybe to form some running back by committees, maybe to just become unemployed. <laughs> we don't know. Tell me who are you most concerned about losing their job in 2020? to one of these incoming rookies, or who's going to lose work? I think the the one we can confidently say that will probably lose his job and could most likely out of this group become unemployed, never rooting for that for anyone, but I think the rest of these guys will be still have a job somewhere. It's Damian Williams with Kansas City. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was taken in the first round by Kansas City with that last pick in the first round. Andy Reid said that he looks better coming out of college than Brian Westbrook, who he made an amazing running back. Love it. In Philadelphia, of course, not in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes specifically wanted him. They called Patrick Mahomes before they drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and said, who would you pick here? And Patrick Mahomes said, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And they were like, that's who we want. This is perfect. Let's take him. He's the best receiving back in the class with a three-down skill set. So he's not just a receiving back. He has that powerful body that he just, like, trucks guys running between the tackles. Andy Reid got his three-down man. And I'm sorry that wasn't Damian. People love him. but People when you... are still obsessed with Damian Williams. I, why? Because he has some big plays, and then people forget how bad he was. <laughs> like, if it went 40% of your total rushing guards came on three carries. Not in three games. Three carries, 40%. Your total rushing cards came on three carries. Like, I can't get over that. It's kind of odd, though, because you see people, like, criticizing uh, Edwards Hilaire and, like, his overall size. He's 5'7", but he's 207 pounds. Like, he's thick. Yeah, and he... Low center of gravity, mm-hmm. um, big hands, catches so many balls. Like, if he was six foot in 507 that would be an issue but he he's little like that's an impactful guy like yeah, he, can, he packs a punch yeah, in that, that little body that bmi is nice like i said damien did struggle a lot throughout the season on 108 of his 111 carries <laughs> so all but three carries he averaged 2.8 yards per carry Yikes. and people will say well you have to take away everyone else's big carries too truth he's still the lowest and everyone else doesn't just have three Big carries. Like, you're taking away only three carries, and it's 2.85 yards a carry. That is wildly bad for your team who's used to just, like, killing it. Like, the offense is so good. Why put a guy back there that's stalling your drives? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the one that we don't really have to talk about here is uh, Marlon Mack. 
with Jonathan Taylor, although there are still some Marlon Marlon Mack believers. And if you do have them in your league, please sell Marlon Mack to them. Yeah, there's still people who think Marlon Mack will have a big role. I I do think, like, week one, we're going to see Marlon Mack get half the carries. Week two, maybe the same thing. By week three, week four, I think Jonathan Taylor completely takes over that backfield. He's just a better running back, like much better, much better runner. They both aren't super involved in the passing game. We'll see if Jonathan Taylor can increase that workload when he gets to the NFL. But I still like Jonathan Taylor better as a receiver than I do Marlon Mack. Yeah, well, when Marlon Mack came out of college, he was actually you know heavily involved in the receiving game in college. He hasn't been used here in the NFL. I think we brought this up before. He is absolutely, absolutely terrible in pass protection, so I think that's a major part of it. Jonathan Taylor's not going to have those issues. Everyone keeps saying that Marlon Mack, you know, had a 1,000 rushing yards last season. They're not just going to take him out of the game and not give him carries. He had a 1,000 rushing yards on 247 carries. Like, you have to say how many times they had to give him the ball to get to that 1,000 yards. Or, like, just getting to a 1,000 yards isn't impressive. It's... How quickly did you do it? Did we have to give you the ball 247 times for you to do it? Then you weren't that great for the team, especially when our offensive line is one of the most elite in the league. Getting, you know, averaging 4.4 yards per carry behind such a great line, it's fine. But that's just a guy. Well, and I think you also have to look at sort of how does Indy value these two guys. So Jonathan Taylor, they moved up in the draft to take him. He wasn't some guy that, you know, fell in the third round. He wasn't just sort of like an opportunistic pick. They they moved up specifically for Jonathan Taylor. It broke my heart because as a Steelers fan. He almost fell to He us. was so close. He was like, like just he was getting to that hand handful picks away. I was praying mm-hmm. that the Steelers moved up. I saw that Indy moved up and I was like, please have this be for a quarterback and not for Jonathan Taylor. They picked Jonathan Taylor, and it's it's a fantastic pick by Indy. He was the best running back in this class, I think. Like, best pure runner. Oh, yeah. No he, doubt. He needs Behind that offensive line, it's going to be nasty. The only thing people can bring up as him, you know, being a, a prospect that might struggle is he had the fumblies. The fumblies hard. But when you go look why he fumbled, it's because he never stops. He doesn't give up at the end of runs. He tries to get those extra five yards and he always does the issue is he just keeps going where there's five defenders on him and then they end up getting the ball and out. ball protection is something you can teach and yeah, it's something you could work on it's not like trying to teach a running back vision all like the coach has to say yeah the, you can't teach vision all you have to say is dude go down when they when they have you wrapped up go down like stop trying to force more you already did great for us you're already you're already killing it Take so just it easy, go down champ. Yeah, with Marlon Mack, you know how I brought up that Damian Williams had 40% of his total rushing yards in three carries. This one's not as insane. He had 40% of his total rushing yards in three games. But still, when you play 14 games and 40% of your production's in three, that's not very good either. He was fantastic week one, and then production just kind of went down after that. Carrion Johnson? we, We are both people that loved Carrion Johnson. Still, even last year, we were holding out some faith. He hasn't been a guy that's been able to stay healthy, and we haven't seen him take on a true workhorse sort of role. But now they get DeAndre Swift, who was taken in the early second round. He's a very capable pass catcher. Is this, like, just by carry-on? or I think they're the same exact player. That so sucks. I don't really understand this pick by Detroit. I believe Jonathan Taylor was on the board at this point. 
you already have Carrion Johnson. DeAndre Swift is the same prospect to me. They're literally the same size, like 5'11", 212 pounds. I believe both are both are not very good between the tackles. They're not going to, you know, force you to miss tackles. They're not going to run through you. They're they're not that hard to get down. But they're very good in the receiving game. So they just took the same guy. We'll see if it's a running back by committee, how that works there. One thing I saw is that uh, Bevel, the offensive coordinator in Detroit, loves to run the ball, doesn't love to use running backs in the passing game. So why not have two running backs that are only good in the passing game? That makes a ton of sense. I don't know how this is going to work out. I am trying to stay away from DeAndre Swift in rookie drafts unless he falls. I take him just to trade him. Like I did that in, in our main league here. I took DeAndre Swift at the 106 because he was like the last big running back there. And then I traded him for Mike Evans because that's fantastic. Wow. And then I traded Mike Evans for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because I really needed a running back. And yeah. I love that so much better than DeAndre Swift. Yeah, love it. Um, there are going to be some, I'm guessing, running back by committees. You've got the Baltimore Ravens. They still have Mark Ingram under contract. Mm-hmm. Now you add in J.K. Dobbins. Second-round pick. They had drafted Hill last year. They have Gus Edwards, who's like the best running back on their team. <laughs> it's it's going to be crowded. And even if you do have an offense that's like built to run the football like the Ravens are, there's still only so much to go around. Yeah, I, I do love this for, fit for J.K. Dobbins. Everyone, I mean, he looked fantastic at Ohio State, but the big thing was, well, he had so much space to run. What happens when you go to the NFL and you don't have that kind of space? Well, guess what? You're yeah, in the you're NFL. In Baltimore. Yes, you're going to have that space in Baltimore. With him, it just comes down to that crowded backfield and how long does it take to take over like how long does it take until you start seeing a good amount of carries where you can be fantasy relevant and I don't think it has to be as long as we're thinking Mark Ingram only had what 200 carries last year like he wasn't well over that he was just super efficient He's, with them oh he scored a touchdown on every, on every single yeah. carry so I, I do think J.K. Dobbins could see upwards of 150 touches his rookie season and if he's getting all that space to work we know he's uber efficient in college he could be uber efficient in the NFL we could still see him be productive in fantasy. It just probably won't be consistent year one. I really like him to take over this backfield, though. In year two, Mark Ingram can be cut year two for very little dead space. What is he now? 31, about to be 32? Yeah, so I wouldn't be actually surprised if they used J.K. Dobbins to sort of work their way down the field and maybe Mark Ingram's your guy to punch it in at the end. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um Los Angeles Rams with Cam Akers join the squad. We were all so hyped on Daryl Henderson. Uh, tell us why you're still high on Daryl Henderson, because I feel like you're the only one left on the island. It's not that like I'm so high on him. I'm just not as low as everyone says. He's not just going to go bye-bye. Like Cam Akers isn't this perfect prospect like we're talking about with Jonathan Taylor or Clyde, even Clyde Edwards. Like He has a lot of flaws. And Daryl Henderson hasn't had his chance yet. We were all so pumped about Daryl Henderson last offseason. He was a better prospect coming out of college than Cam Akers was. But all of a sudden, because he didn't get his chance year one, he sucks, according to everyone. Guys, the rest of the running backs that went off this year, uh, Josh Jacobs, what competition did he have with the Raiders? What? DeAndre Washington, Jalen Richard, <laughs> like that's not competition. Montgomery had Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen, yeah, and Tariq Cohen's not a, a rusher; he's just a pass yeah, he's catcher. A passer, yeah. So David Montgomery had to fight with Mike Davis for carries. 
Like, woo! Miles Sanders didn't see an uptake in carries until Jordan Howard got hurt. Singletary had old man Frank Gore. And Daryl Henderson had Todd freaking Gurley. Like, that's, you can't even compare. They're not going to feed Henderson yeah. the ball when you just paid Todd Gurley that you, contract. You can't even compare Jordan Howard to Todd Gurley. Stop it. Like, the, Henderson was taken in case Gurley's knee couldn't make it the whole season. And guess what? It did. It did make it. And no, he wasn't as efficient, but that whole backfield was rough with efficiency. That offensive line really struggled in 2019. If you're going to say Henderson's not good, look at the back, re, like the rest of that Rams backfield. Yards per carry, Malcolm Brown, 3.7. Gurley, 3.8. Henderson, 3.8. He did exactly what they did. Yards after contact, Henderson was the best at 3.7. Gurley, 2.8. Malcolm Brown, 2.6. Avoided tackles per attempt. Henderson was the best at 0.26, Gurley 0.19, Malcolm Brown 0.19. So if you're going to look at efficiency, Henderson was the best one there. I mean, it's a small sample size, but I think the line was just bad. You can't just give up on this man already. They didn't move up in the third round last year to just not use him. Now, and if I'm taking one thing away from this, yeah. Todd Gurley is Malcolm Brown. What does that mean? <laughs> Oh, like they had all the same stats pretty much? Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. No, sorry. Missed a joke. Flew over my head. Now, I was going to say, they didn't just take Cam Akers in the second not to use him either. I think this is going to be a running back by committee, but Cam Akers is for some reason getting drafted at like the 104 of rookie drafts or earlier or a little bit later. Cam Akers Absurd. or Keyshawn Vaughn? Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, and Daryl Henderson is just being thrown out the window. Go trade for him, honestly. Like, I don't see how this isn't a running back by committee. Coming out of college, Cam Akers, you know, was very inefficient. Yeah. Very, very inefficient. Henderson was the opposite of that. You can say that's because of team situation. That's fine. But historically, if you're inefficient in college, you don't get any more efficient in the NFL. Well, and also his situation hasn't changed much, right? Like, if you're utilizing the excuse that he had a bad offensive line to talk about his efficiency, he doesn't have a great offensive line here. So yeah. it, it it definitely is something to, to monitor. Um, and, like, I really want to hit home on this efficiency thing because I think people think, oh, it's so stupid to look at yards per carry from college. Like, what does that matter? Go back and look 10 years of data, and anyone that was 5.0 yards per carry in college or under – didn't become anything in the NFL. They struggled just as hard besides Le'Veon Bell. He's the only outlier. And I think there was a reason for it. He was a heavy back coming out of college. He was a heavy back his rookie season in the NFL. Struggled mightily with efficiency his first year. Dropped 20 pounds, then was efficient. Like, Cam Akers doesn't have 20 pounds to drop. So I, I don't see a world where all of a sudden Akers is just the workhorse back with the Rams. He's not... A reliable pass catcher dropped nine balls and 770, 70, 70, 70, 77 career catchable balls. He wasn't even involved very much in Florida State when they desperately needed pass catchers. Henderson is the better pass catcher in that backfield. I think it's going to be a 50-50 split, and people are going to be upset when they're drafting K-Makers too high. Yeah. Last but not least, we've got the Chargers, who – I do think Austin Eckler was a, a nice winner of this draft. For sure. They took Joshua Kelly in the fourth round, who could definitely maybe see some early down work. Are you threatened at all no. from an Eckler perspective? Or does this does Joshua Kelly being taken later 
like improve your your faith in Austin Eckler. What I'll say is that the Chargers moved up in the first round, so they lost a, a third round pick in that, I believe. So they didn't have a second or third round pick day two. The Chargers' very next pick after that first round was a running back in the fourth. I don't love Joshua Kelly's talent. Like uh, He was really low in my rankings for running backs coming into the draft. I do think he's going to get work. Do you like him better than Justin Jackson? Probably, but Justin Jackson's been there, so no, not really. I mean, I do think they're pretty similar. Joshua Kelly, I guess, has more draft capital. I, I don't I don't see Josh Kelly being too involved year one. But he like Austin oh sorry, Austin Eckler's not getting all the carries. Yeah. He Absolutely. wasn't efficient on the ground. He's just a really good pass catcher. Eckler's a massive winner here, and I do think if you own Justin Jackson, he's probably a winner. I don't know. Do you go sell him right now because he's a winner? I would sell him. Yeah. If sold. you can. I don't think he has much value. Um, for the long term, and I do think that Joshua Kelly has a chance to just eat into whatever chance of production Justin Jackson might have had. Um, anything else you want to hit on for these rookie running backs? I think we hit on them all pretty much, besides the ones that aren't going to matter too much for a while, like Darrington Evans, he went to Tennessee. He's not going to steal much work from Derrick Henry. No. He's a he small. Deion Lewis. He's a very small dude. Yeah, he's Deion Lewis. It's going to take time for him to be anything in the NFL. You know, maybe a late round flyer, not in redraft, but in dynasty. No, and and PPR only. If you're. Yeah, we really like his talent. Like I would have been pumped if the Steelers grabbed Evans. Like I think he's a good talent. Oh, one that we didn't bring up, Anthony McFarland with the Steelers. Good backup for Connor. Mm-hmm. I think he's better than Snell. I think he's better he's than Jalen Samuels. Yeah. He's a guy that's good in an open space. So Are you taking him, and where would you draft him? I wouldn't take him before the early third, or okay. late third. Late third? Mm-hmm. He's going way before that. He's going, like, late second. He's going before Zach Moss sometimes. People just hate that. Moment. I have not seen him go before. That is actually news to me. Yeah. You've done a few more mocks than I have, but I haven't seen him go before the early third. I think it's because James Conner gets hurt so often that they know that he should get his chance, right? Anthony McFarland should get his chance to show what he can do. I don't think he has a skill set to be a three-down back, but he is super explosive. I'm excited for the Steelers to get him involved in the offense. I do think they should get him involved, even with James Conner healthy, like not running back by committee at Just all, but save him some hits. Yeah, get you know, give Connor some more rest, and maybe he can stay healthy. McFarland has that home run hitting ability. I will say, if I'm the James Connor owner, I'm I'm definitely willing to grab him. Yeah, late second. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, I think that's it. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us today on the Ball Blast Podcast. Proud member of the Ross Tucker Podcast family. Be sure to check us out on our social media. You can follow me at FFBallBlast. And me, Michelle, at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEm. We got those new Twitters and the, the Instagrams for uh, our, our BallBlast brand now, BallBlastFB. You can find us on either of those. And check out our new website, BallBlastFootball.com. Um, we're posting our rookie rankings for single quarterback and Superflex super leagues. So be on the lookout for those. Uh, And if you guys have anything you want to see on the site, let us know. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.